Okay, can you hear me? Can everyone hear me? Yes, okay, there we go. That was a quick transition, wasn't it? Um, that was nice. Um, well, uh, good morning. Uh, my name is John Hills. I'm the, uh, the worship pastor here at uh, First Baptist uh, Mason, and a particularly warm welcome if you're watching us uh, online. Uh, Brian said a couple of weeks ago that I was due to preach. Uh, I, I caught COVID, so um, so that was that was why I uh, I was off, and I'm still the after effects. So my voice might sound a little bit uh, croaky. Uh, if I do cough, I will try and mute the microphone so I don't blast you away. Um, so just wanted to say that to you. But where are we at today? Where are we at today? We are. Uh, in our series uh, called God Is, and I want to say to you that God is always on the move. God is in the business of transformation, and here at First Baptist Mason, we've seen so many lives set free from the power of darkness and walk into the glorious light through the power of His Spirit, and salvation and baptism have followed. This church has been revived. People have come alive to the mission of the church. And people are experiencing God through doing life together, uh, in life connection groups, through worship and prayer, and we're seeing the lost found in Jesus. Now, do you want to see more of that church? You do? Does that get your blood flowing? Does that get you go, uh, kind of get going this morning? Well, the only way we're going to see more of this in our life, uh, in this church, is that we have to get serious about holiness, the holiness of God and in our own lives and what that looks like in our own lives. So over the summer, we've been learning all the attributes of God. And if you haven't realized by now, is that God is amazing. God is amazing. And we could have this series all year. I would love to have this series all year because there is so much to who God is. And if you're taking notes uh, today, I've done a little PowerPoint for you. Uh, this really simple message today. Uh, number one, God is holy. Number one, that God is holy. And number two is that God wants to you to be holy. Amen. God is holy and God wants you to be holy. That's it. That's my message today. Okay, we can all go home. Let's go. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm I know you want a little bit more, right? Um, so in the New Living Translation, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace make you holy all the way through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ or until he comes again. That was from the New Living Translation. God is interested in making you holy all the way through. Not just half of us, not a quarter of us, not just our head, but all of our very being. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're just trying to make it through the day, aren't we? Or through the week. Um, let alone enough time to focus on, on being holy, right? And for some of us, we're new to the Christian life. Everything is exciting. It's like, woohoo, I'm with God again. It's me and God. And, uh, and we're excited to learn from his word. We're excited to learn how to worship, how to live life, how to not do things that pull us away from God. How I long 
to be in that place. How I long for every one of us to be in that place where we're excited about Jesus and excited about God. You know, if we could just stay there forever, that would be, that would be fine with me. But the Christian life calls us to maturity, so we need to grow up, right? All right, so God really wants us to grow up in holiness, not just in years of experience. You know, some of us who've been walking this Christian life for a little while, um, you know, we're grown, we think we're grown up in the Christian life. And then we get to a place where we've done all the learning, we've done all the good, we've been good at the Christian thing. And then we start serving and leading in the church. And before we know it, we're heavily into the administration and you get duped into being a lay pastor. And uh, no, I'm joking. I didn't get duped. I, I got called. And, uh, and you're heavily into the administration of the church. Something that was exciting, organic, and wonderful suddenly can transition into something that's rigid and mechanical, and dare I say it, boring. Anyone at that point? But there are a few of us that are here and outside of this building that have walked the Christian life for years. And it's like God refreshes us every day. And we're excited about what he's going to do today. Some of us are alive to his spirit And we wake up with the hope that God can transform anyone's life at any moment. We just need to be a willing servant, a mouthpiece for him. Or for some of us, we know that God is taking us through a season where we need to learn about his divine nature and character. And he brings to the surface the things uh, for us to work on. And it's not done out of religiosity, but it's done out of a love for God and for his people. And do you know what? Today, I believe that God wants to put that desire back into your heart. If you've lost that desire, that excitement for who Jesus is, to see people come to know him, he wants to place that desire back in your heart today. To be abandoned in worship and not care what people think because our worship and adoration is for the audience of one. No one else. It's not for the person next to you. It's not for the group of people in here. It's for him. It's for him alone. So where are you today? Where are you today? Ask yourself that honestly. Well, when I first became a Christian, and some of you have heard this story before, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But before that moment, I lived my life in my own strength and was living life aimlessly looking for the next uh, encounter that would make me feel good the next high as you were but God got a hold of me when I was 19 and some of you have heard this before but I said when I went to a Christian conference in England over the this far far east Texas um, and so called new wine and on the uh, on the second day there for some reason I went to a seminar on holiness and at the end of the seminar this guy called Stuart Lees, who was leading the session, he asked us if we wanted to be holy and experience the power and presence of God in our lives. He asked us to confess our sins and repent of our lifestyle we were living and give it all to God. At that moment, Jesus met me. 
I started weeping uncontrollably. Anyone ever weeped uncontrollably where you've got bugs coming out? Like, you know, it's like, you know, you just, you know, that was me. Uh, that was me about, uh, oh, what is it now, 18 years ago. I felt free. I felt free. But I also felt an ex overwhelming joy that I'd never experienced before. I wanted to hug everybody. I mean, I'm British. I mean, like, we're kind of reserved, you know, stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on. Um, I wanted to hug everybody because I'd experienced this joy, this joy that no one could take away from me. And my desires completely changed. I just wanted to live for God, and God had cleansed me of those things that I didn't want to live for anymore. So when I got home, over the next 6 to 12 months, I removed uh, things out of my life that didn't encourage me in my walk with Jesus. And, but, you know, one of the things was I just didn't desire to do those things anymore, um, be it friendships or certain activities, extracurricular activities, we know what we're talking about, everybody, you know, that would lead me to do sin. And if I was going to do this Christian life, I was going to take it seriously. And so God can do the same for you. Whatever your age, whatever your background, wherever you come from, he's just saying, I want all of you. Not just a part of you, not just a snippet, but all of you. And so I went on from there um, to be ordained in the Church of England and uh, trained as a minister there. And now, as I said, I got... You know, I'm a lay pastor here, and so uh, we found ourselves here, and I'm so thankful to be uh, where, where we're at right now. And so God has a purpose and a plan for your life that will be different to my path, but the same thing God desires from you and I is holiness. Why? Because God is holy. That's my first point, and this is going to be a really big point is that God is holy. I've only got two points, so bear with me, all right? The other one's really small. This is a really big one, all right? So the famous preacher uh, P.T. Forsyth uh, once claimed that everything begins and ends in our Christian theology with the holiness of God. Everything begins and ends in our Christian theology, the study of God, with the holiness of God. And I agree. I agree. The, the biblical story of God and man begins... In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3, where holiness is violated by Adam and Eve. And then it ends in Revelation 21, in the holy city, where holiness is restored. The giving of land, covenant, law, sacrifice, prophets, redeemer, uh, and Holy Spirit is, is all about, all the whole story of God is all about establishing encounters between a holy God and an unholy people. Holy God, unholy people. And if we take the notion of holiness out of Christianity, there's not much left to say. And there's a reason that Jesus taught us to pray Matthew, in Matthew 6, 9, hallowed be your name. It means holy is your name. It's to remind us that God is holy. 
And holiness is not a popular subject to talk about in church, right? You're probably thinking, sat there thinking, oh my goodness, what is John talking about? But this is because it's not necessarily the first thing that we think about when we think of God. So it leads people to have indifference about holiness. Or, on the other hand, you have uh, anxiety when you hear about holiness because the fear of God, the fear of God has been put into people by the preacher and often people have left feeling guilty or, or the shame that leads to a nervousness over their salvation. And then they've been trying to work so hard and do so many things because they think, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. If I don't do all this, I can't, I'm not going to be saved. Not true. I truly believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. Once you make that commitment to Jesus, you are saved. We've also met those people, right? Those people that are holier than thou. Have you ever heard that phrase before, holier than thou? Um, You know, the ones that think they're better than you. Uh, because they live better than you and they follow all the rules. Um, They look a certain way. They're in the in club. Um, Everything within me, when I think about holier than thou, rebels against that completely, 100%, because that thinking, that lifestyle is not the gospel. That That is a social club. No one is beyond the grace of God. No one, absolutely no one. So each of us here are not too far from God. You don't have to do anything in order to get salvation. And the truth is God is holy. And that statement should lead us to our knees in worship and prayer. So what leads you to worship, in, uh, to your knees in worship and prayer? Is it a place I've got some pictures up here. Um, This is uh, Gloucester Cathedral. Um, My family will know this place. This is where I was ordained in the Church of England, and very majestic, amazing building. It was built in, I think, 800 AD, and uh, the stained glass windows are phenomenal. And um, it's it's just a spectacular building. Oh, how did that get in there? Hang on, no, uh, uh, hang on. Let's move that across. Move that across. Uh, um, so uh, go back to the um, go back to the one with the columns, Michaela. Oh goodness, I can't. That was me in a dog collar. So uh, that was a. Um, anyway, um, where was I? Uh, go, yeah, back back a couple more. Back a couple. The next one. Okay, that one. So you have a choir. There's like a hundred, hundred people in a choir. There's. Uh, just this amazing building, a huge organ in the middle there. Just incredible sound, incredible moment. Does that lead you to your knees in prayer and worship? It did for me. But again, it's just a building. It's just a building. God has used it over the years for his purposes, but it's just a building. Maybe now, if you want to flick forward to the the next one, maybe uh, maybe it's at a conference or a Christian concert where you have thousands of other people singing. That's a Hillsong conference right there. Singing with thousands of others. Does that lead you to your knees in prayer and worship? 
Maybe you like to be uh, alone in creation. This is a place in the hill country. I have no idea where it is, but it looks nice. And I just found it on Google. And uh, it's, are you alone in creation? You have the stillness. You have the river running. Do you find God? Does that take you to your knees and prayer and worship? We're going to be looking at Isaiah 6 uh, this morning. If you want to turn there, Isaiah had the best, the best worship and prayer experience ever. Ever. And so I'm just going to read from chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting above a throne, upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two covered his face, he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his, in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he had touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will and, uh, and then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and say, people, come on, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and the ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their, their eyes and hear with their ears and understanding with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant." And houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy sea is its, stumps, is its stump. So in the year that King Uzziah died, that's the, in the first verse, you'll see that. This is giving historical dating uh, for this passage. Isaiah sees the Lord in a vision. Now, we don't know whether this vision is, is mystical, in a dream, um, or even a physical catching up in heaven. But if you just stop there for a moment, just stop there, and Isaiah sees the Lord. How I would love to see the Lord for a glimpse and we can easily skip over that line. Oh yeah, another guy in scripture. Yeah, he sees the Lord again. Just stop. Let that sink in. Has anyone seen the Lord in here in this room? Anyone? Nope. Uh, okay, yeah. There's, there may be some. There may be some of you may have seen a glimpse. And what an experience that is. Because God is holy. And here we see that God initiates the vision. Isaiah is passive. He does not go after God. The vision comes to him. 
And here we see that the Lord is seated on his throne. And this is a wonderful picture of the majesty of God. And I often have this vision, you know, him seated on a throne with the, the, the train of his robe filling the temple. And when I, when I worship, and we also know that this vision occurs while Isaiah is, is in the temple. Hence the line, the train of his robe filled, his, filled the temple. Isaiah is filled with awe and wonder and can't help but be caught up in the presence of God. And then comes one of the most famous lines in scripture with the seraphim singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. Whenever we see something repeated three times in scripture, it is the strongest form of superlative in the Hebrew idiom, which means it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like holy, you know, that's the, that's the layman's version of like, they've done all that, done all that work and all that scholarship. And I've, I've just said it means it's a big deal. Y'all. Just make sure you're awake. I'll, do my, I'll get my Texas accent out if I see some people sleeping. You really don't want to hear it. Um, so they, they don't sing about his love. They don't sing about his power. They don't sing about his kindness or any other attribute. Thing, the first thing they sing in the most important attribute is about his holiness. And they don't just stop there. They say that the whole earth is full of his glory. This would have been revolutionary at the time because at that time in history, they thought that God was just in the temple, in the meeting place. But he is the king enthroned over all the universe. And then the temple shook and was filled with smoke. It says it in there. It's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not lying. It says it in here. That the temple shook and it was filled with smoke. Not a smoke machine, okay, because they didn't have them in those days. This was worship that literally rocked. Rocked out. And imagine if that happened here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but imagine if that happened here. How many of us would freak out? I'm kind of freaking out a little bit now. <laughs> up, I didn't time that either. So uh, up until this point, Isaiah had uh, just been saying, wow, 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 God. Then it shook him to the very core when he saw this happening, and he realized he was in the presence of the Almighty. And then he started saying, whoa, Woe, 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 God. Verse 5 says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The vision of God produces sheer terror in Isaiah. And there are two reasons, because he knows he is unclean, and secondly is that he has seen God. So in the back of his mind would have been the belief that no one has seen God and lived. That was uh, something that happened. But due to this reason, he is aware of the holiness of God. And when we are in the presence of God, degrees of sin become irrelevant. 
and reveal to us our true condition. So the notion of being unclean in the Old Testament typically um, would, be, would kind of mean to be unfit to be in God's presence. But in this instance here in Isaiah, we see that it's clearly a moral reason because it, he talks about the lips. It's associated with the lips. And what they're really meaning by that, the implication is that uh, it's the heart. There's, there's something with the heart that's going on. And so essentially Isaiah is saying, my heart is unclean. But the Lord has a way of forgiving and redeeming people. And in this moment, God knew what Isaiah needed. Isaiah needed a touch from the Lord. The seraphim touched his lips and he was forgiven. Once the Lord got a hold of Isaiah, he was free to do whatever he asked. And we see this in Isaiah's response to the Lord's question. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. God has taken him from a place of wow to woe to confession on your knees to being touched on the lips, atonement, forgiveness for sins, to then standing up and walking in mission. And this is the story of what God does in our lives. Isaiah was then commissioned, as I said, to go and deliver a difficult message to the people of Israel, which completes the rest of the passage, and I'm not going to go into detail in there. But do you see the pattern here? Whenever we give, give over to God everything, he will use us and he will send us. But there's a little bit in between the the sending and the him speaking to us. There's this part of us that where we need to be like, wow, God, you're amazing. Whoa, I'm not worthy. I need to confess. I need to get stuff right. I need to be cleansed to be sent out. That's what God is in the business of doing. So what is your, where are you at now? Do you have a wow moment? Have you ever thought of God in terms of wow? Have you ever thought of God in terms of woe? Does being in the presence of the Lord make you go to your knees in humility? Does the cross that Jesus' body was broken on lead you to repentance? to turn away from sin and run towards God? Does the resurrection of Jesus give you hope today? Does meditating on the truth of God's word lead you to conviction through the Holy Spirit? Does it lead you to action? Does the gospel give you a heart for the lost and people who are broken and dying outside of these walls? Do you want to be holy? I know for a fact that God wants you to be. And so that's, this is my second point. You had the really long one point. Here's the second short point. God wants you to be holy. Why does God want us to be holy? 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy as I am holy, or because I am holy. He wants our lives to represent him. Why? So he can get the glory. And so that others can be drawn to him. So he works on our character. Holiness 
is all about our character. You know, the stuff that no one sees, right? The, the thoughts that we have when we're driving in the car, the thoughts that we have when we see people across the restaurant and we make a judgment call over them. Yeah, guilty. I've done it. I've done it. How do we respond to adversity? How do we respond to praises? How do we respond to life? A, a pursuit of holiness leads us to a place where our character is changed from the inside out. It's not an easy thing. So how do we become holy? How do we do it? I'm still figuring that out. But I believe the first step towards holiness is totally giving your life to Jesus. That's where it starts. I mean, I don't mean just like come up the front here or say you're a Christian. I mean completely sold out for Jesus. And I hope you've got a glimpse of a vision of who God is today. Because he cares and he loves you, he made you, he created you, and he wants you to be in relationship with him. And so to give our life to God means to confess our sin and turn away from the things that don't honor God. Some of you need that woe moment with God. And as we see from, but we don't stay in that place because as we see from Isaiah's experience, his sins are atoned for, his sins are forgiven, it's taken away. God can do exactly the same for you. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. I can keep saying that. You're forgiven. If you come to him, you're forgiven. Pursue God and he will meet you. The Christian life is not easy. And if anyone told you it is, they lie to your face. They lie to your face. It is not easy. And the only way that we can experience the Holy Spirit is, the, is to understand that Jesus wants a relationship with you. Not a bunch of rules to follow. He just wants you. Secondly, you might have a desire and longing to be holy, but you've never really done anything about it. I just, um, we're going to have a time after I speak, just have a moment where you can ask God. You know, you may have just started walking with the Lord and you're trying to unlearn some old habits or hang-ups. Keep going. I encourage you to keep going. But I believe the best place that you can learn to walk or even run in a relationship with God is by joining a life group, a life connection group, committing, committing yourself to other believers. It starts by coming on a Sunday, but we have six days in between, and uh, God wants us. And so ask God, what are you calling me to? What are you asking me to do? And lastly, there's a group of you that the Lord is inviting you into his mission. You're saying, send me. I know we've got some coaches in the building. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. You're ready. You know it. The Lord knows it. But nobody else does. 
Nobody else knows. So, and you haven't told anybody. But you know in yourself that you're ready to be used by God. And so today, tell someone. Tell someone. Tell Brian. Tell your spouse. Tell your dog. I don't know. I mean, that's a joke. But seriously, tell someone that you're ready. You're ready to serve. You're ready to lead. You're ready to see what God has for you in the next step. And if you want to join a life group, talk to Brian, Eddie, I don't think is here, John, John and Jenny, me. Just, if you want to do that, then we're here. But we're going to take a moment where we're going to ask the Lord what he's calling us to. And I hope I made it real clear that one, God is holy, and two, God wants you to be holy. So what does that, what does that number two look like for you? So let's stand and let's, let's close our eyes. going to just just be silence can be awkward it can be uh, but there's there's real power in stillness and silence we don't often get to to be still or silent in our lives because there's so many things vying for our attention but God wants you in this moment some of you, if you feel comfortable, you might want to put out, out your hands and just like you're receiving a gift or like you're worshiping. I think there's something really powerful in, in us using our bodies to, to express our worship to God. And so, Father, I ask now in this moment that I don't know what people need in this moment. But I know that you are a holy God. And I know that you love and cherish every single person in this building. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known to everyone in this building in a real and powerful way. And that, Jesus, what you accomplished on the cross and what you did by defeating death, and, Lord, that we have a hope for the future, Lord, we, I pray that will be real in people's lives that we'd live in that hope. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'd convict us of any areas of our life where we need to, to give over to you. So come, Lord Jesus, come now. Your power and person in here today what they need. Give you strength for tomorrow, strength for this evening, patience with the kids, whatever it is, Lord. May we leave this place encouraged. 
so that we can be an encouragement to others. And if you're in that place today where you want to give your life to the Lord, I mean sold out for the Lord, I'll be happy to visit, visit with you on that. Make it now. Make it now. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you want to come and talk to me, you can. Or Brian. We'll both be down here. But now's the time.